from architecture to painting and sculpture, literature to live music and theater, Radio 111 presents The Desert Scene, your connection to culture and entertainment in the desert cities. Here's Bonnie G. And welcome to The Desert Scene. I'm your host, Bonnie G, here with my fabulous producer, Brian Mendoza. And we're very happy to welcome to the show Miss Beth Lapides. Um, who, who has been called the godmother of alternative comedy. I love that. Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Bonnie. How are you? Good. So Beth is coming to Palm Springs, to the Palm Springs Cultural Center on Wednesday, May 7th with a show called It's A Lot, which I love. I love that title. So, um, Thank you, Bonnie. So tell us, tell us a little bit about what to expect at your show. Enlightenment, fun, Laugh, joy, excitement, change. Yeah, good time. Great. We need all that stuff. We could use all of that stuff. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about, I'm looking at, um, you know, your bio here. Creator, host, and executive producer of the legendary and revolutionary Uncabaret. Uh, 25 years, 25 plus years of weekly live shows, streaming, and touring. So tell us about how that came to be. It's been called a comedy be-in. So tell us about Uncabaret. Oh, that was Rolling Stone, yeah. That was fun. Um, Uncabaret came to life because of what I found was comedy before Uncabaret was very stuck in a certain sort of rhythm. There was something called the tight 10 comedians were doing in in clubs in order to get on TV, in order to get their sitcoms. Um, I I came to Los Angeles from New York and I'm so frustrated. And no, I was working one night at the comedy store and I had to follow Andrew Dice Clay and he was getting laughs, and if you remember Andrew Dice Clay's yes. work, now, um, and I just was like hating him and hating the audience for laughing at him and hating myself for laughing at the audience. You know, uh-huh. it was just like a big ball of hate, and I just don't do well with hate. Like I'm a love based person, and I just yeah. and, um, <clears throat> and I just thought there's got to be a better way, but I couldn't figure out what that way was. And then one night I was doing a solo show at a place called the Women's Building, which mm-hmm. is the place where Judy Chicago famously did her dinner party. Okay. Um, and it was going, it was all, and they were laughing a little too hard. You, you know how, you know, it was just like, and in the meet and greet afterwards, I was like, it wasn't quite as funny as you thought it was. Like, when was the yeah. last time you laughed? Yeah. And I said, oh, we don't laugh. We're women and we're artists and we're lesbians. And if we go to comedy clubs, they just make fun of us. And I said, well, you know, I'll make you a show. It'll be unhomophobic, unxenophobic, unmisogynist. It'll be uncabaret. And it was really a download like that. And then it was a journey. You know, it was a journey from the that inception. I really feel like it was an assignment almost from the universe. I don't know where that yeah. name came from. Yeah. And, and you know, then off and running and, you know, then four hours of a story of how we got here and it's still running and it's been in every media and it's been on TV and blah, blah, blah. you know, all the people that have been done it, um, Bob Odenkirk, Kathy Griffin, you know, mm-hmm. so many people came out of it that, um, 
it's been an amazing, collaborative, joyful, revolutionary experience. It's been Fa- wild. Fabulous. Now, I'm also looking, you're also an author, author of the critically acclaimed original audiobook, So You Need to Decide. Tell us about that. That was such an adventure. Um, I sold a, an audio, an original. There's an, you know, people are listening to so many books now, mm-hmm. and I was approached to do an original audiobook, and um, this idea of decision making was really in the air, and I just thought. Okay, I know there's I know from working with people for so long. I wanted to do a book where there was it was my story and then I mixed in and quilted almost my story with stories of people I'd worked with and bringing in new people and I just knew people would have a lot of great stories about decision making. Mm-hmm. Having heard many of them already over the course of the years on Cabaret is much more story based and yeah. confessional and intimate. And so there's five chapters. There's one about work, love, uh, family, spirituality, moving. And um, I tell my story specifically connected to Uncabaret. Uh, and then I we talk to, I talk to a ton of people uh, besides some of the people I've mentioned, Sandra Bernhard, um, mm-hmm. E.B. Bridgers, Isaac Mizrahi, and then we quilted their stories together, and it's eight and a half hours, and uh, sort of the on Vulture's list of best comedy books of 2023. It was How really great is that? to do. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Yeah. Now, to, I'm sure, I'm just curious. It, do you have a, I mean, obviously, do you make, we make a lot of decisions in life about a million different things, but do you have sort of a mantra or philosophy about making decisions in general that you have come up with out of all this? I don't have one mantra because so many decisions are... I do know that we live in a world of decision overwhelm, and I'm really able to recognize now when at, you know, five o'clock or seven o'clock at night, I can just literally say to myself, I've, I've just made too many decisions today. Yeah. Like I have to stop. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been making decisions since seven o'clock in the morning and, and I'm, I'm going to have to put a pin in that until tomorrow. I'm more able to recognize that. I have a bunch of different things. Um, I, I definitely practice, make a decision and see how it feels. And if it doesn't feel right, you can do the other thing. Um, I definitely practice when in doubt, wait, don't, you know, pause, see if you can. I definitely have come to believe that everything is unfolding in divine and perfect order. Mm-hmm. And that took me a long time to come to. And yeah wrestle with wanting to believe it and how can I believe it and do I believe it and I talk about that in the show um it's a lot quite a bit and uh, so I I do all those things I made a a decider coin is a thing and I made one and sometimes I flip it and you can always tell when it lands which thing yo you know you don't always listen to it but it lets you know your heart yeah. Sometimes. And, you know, I think it's really wise. And everybody I've talked to has some version of money um, is not to be so afraid of mistakes. Yeah. That can really help with decision making. Mm-hmm. We all make mistakes. 
yep. mistakes are sometimes the greatest gift we can give ourselves. Right. And so that has really helped me in decision making. Um, and I have, a, you know, I have over the years whittled my counsel down to, you know, a very reliable group of people. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't overshare my decision. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a meditation practice, which keeps me centered and focused and more able to trust myself. I think it's really a process of learning to trust yourself and trust your heart and be able to pick up, you know, choose focus, listen to your focus, listen to the decisions that you've made and let those decisions, it's almost like a decision can be a parent of other decisions. Right. So if you make, if you make the Uber decisions, I'm not actually say this in the book, but I did come to believe if you make an Uber decision, like this is the big thing I believe in. I, you know, I believe in this relationship and so I'm not going to run when I don't have to decide each time whether or not I'm going to stay in the relationship, even though we're in a fight, because I already decided I'm going to stay, Yeah, you know, um, and work decisions. So I already decided I'm going to write this book. If it's hard, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, there's some of that. And, um, you know, in work, sometimes, you know, choose what's funny, choose what's meaningful, choose what only you can do. I mean, that's a big uh, litmus test is, you know, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Right, right exactly. <laughs> uh, now, um, I have a question for you. So you are so many different things. What? And I'm, I'm same like you. I wear a lot of different, different hats. Do you think of yourself uh-huh. first as a comic, as a writer, as a teacher, or what? You know, what's sort of the, your main hat, if you will? Well, I think of myself as a creator. Okay. And um, and that's why my I have a coaching business as well, and it's called the Infinite Creator, which connects how you live with what your work is. Uh-huh. I. I I would say secondly, think of myself as a writer uh, would be probably the primary thing because I have a very maybe biblical even attitude about writing. You know, you write your life. Writing is the sort of the code word. You know, you write the code of your life. So whether Mm -hmm. that's on stage being a comedian... I, you know, I love being funny. I love, and I don't even say making people laugh. I say, you know, giving laughter, you Mm -hmm. know. I love laughing myself. I'm just, you know, I couldn't live without laughing, and I love being around funny people. But it's not the only, you know, I could never say. It's not not the the only thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not. Because for me, when, you know, for me, comedy comes from you tell the real story, and then you try to make it as funny as you can. You're not just always going for the joke. Right. And that just becomes so wearying. Yes. So um, I did think of myself as a comedian, though, as part of it. I think of myself as a producer. I I don't actually think of myself as a producer, though I am really a producer. Yeah. (laughs) I only started producing to protect my own work, as many producers will tell you. Yeah. you know, who are also writers. Um, I'm I'm very happy to hand over the producing parts whenever I can or to have producing partners. I just as soon not be, though I have gotten good at it over the years. Yeah. Well, I want to just make sure we get this in Wednesday, May 3rd, 7 p.m., Palm Springs Cultural Center, um, which is a wonderful place. I do some singing there. So it's a, it's a great 
place to, to perform. Tickets you can get at thebent.org, T-H-E-B-E-N-T, thebent.org, Wednesday, May 3rd, 7 p.m., Palm Springs Cultural Center. Beth Lapidus, it's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. My God. These days. It is a lot. We're going to talk about the show is really about what it's like to live right now Mm -hmm. and the, the, you know, the the thing that we're all living. Yeah. It's really about us. I mean, it's my story, but it's really about, you know, creating your own life, manifesting and how we do it and the responsibilities we have, but in the funniest possible way. I love <laughs> and that. And if people don't remember the Bent.org, uh, the tickets are at Eventbrite and the Palm Springs Cultural Center. Also, my website, Beth Lapidus, that's B-E-T-H-L-A-P-I-D-E-S.com, has stuff about everything I'm doing, and people can check it out there. Uh, absolutely. Beth, well, thank you so much. Boy, I, I did not realize you were so uh, uh, spiritual and manifesting and all meditation and all that because that's the last few years I've really gone that direction too. So wonderful to chat well, with you. Well, you live in Palm Springs. You have to. I do. Yeah, well, you do. You kind of do. Yeah. You do. Thank, you do. Thank you right. so very much for, for t- talking with you, us Jen. today. Have a wonderful show. Thank you. May 3rd. All right. Thank Beth, you. Beth all Lapidus. Right. Thank you. Yeah. And we'll talk to the rest of you on the next time on The Desert Scene.